So last week we resumed our screw tape letter series after taking a break during Advent. And uh, I'm just going to skip my usual intro. I think most of us are up to speed with screw tape letters and what that is. Last week we covered extremism in, in all its forms. And the only type of extremism that is acceptable is extreme devotion to Jesus. Any other kind of extremism is dangerous. It can lead to sin. It can lead to idolatry. Um, we also talked about what Screwtape called the principle of undulation. As Christians, we, we have ups and downs in our, our faith and our walk with Christ. We have these hills and valleys, or as Screwtape calls it, peaks and troughs. And in his ninth letter to Wormwood, Screwtape offers him advice on how to take advantage of the troughs. He says, trough periods of the human undulation provide excellent opportunity for all sensual temptations, particularly those of sex. So today is the sex sermon, sort of. Everybody's like, oh boy, here we go. I'm not going to be explicit or anything, but, you know, it's so tempting to want to just skip over something like this. It's like, Ugh, it's uncomfortable, it's weird. You're not supposed to talk about sex in church according to you know culture from the 1950s. But I think this is so important for us. We can't just gloss over this. That's something that I've loved about this series. It's like, okay, what is C.S. Lewis gonna throw at us next? Here we go. Let's dive in. We, we've really just been hit with a lot of very challenging, real relevant issues, and that's why I'm very excited about this series. When we are experiencing a low point in our lives, physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, we are vulnerable to attack from the enemy. Just as screw tape here is admitting. And one of the great strongholds of sin in this current age is sexual sin. It has always been a problem throughout the history of humanity, but you know, I've been able to watch and observe and during my short 34, almost 35 years of life, I've just seen this rapid decline of morality in our culture, especially in regards to culture's approach to sexuality. Um, just comparing the early 90s and 2023, very, very different. So if you study American history, you'll see that there's a really big shift in the 20s. You guys remember uh, the roaring 20s and flappers? from uh, American history class? Well, it was the Prohibition era and it kind of brought out this golden age of organized crime with the bootleggers and the moonshiners, the mob, and a lot of movies made about that era. And then there was another big shift called the sexual revolution, which happened in the late 60s into the 70s. And so these biblical values that for a long time primarily informed our culture's understanding of, of sex, these values began to deteriorate in the 60s and were replaced with kind of this libertine, laissez-faire ideology, you know, love and peace, man, the Woodstock ideology. These were trending ideologies. Things like modesty and prudence were seen as lame and antiquated, the man, etc. I didn't grow up in the 70s, so if, if I'm way off, somebody tell me later. 
I'm, I'm good. I'm on track here. So sexuality, as God designed and intended, was being forgotten. And then sex, in a sense, became its own God for culture. It was something that many people dedicated their entire lives to pursuing. And so this commitment to biblical marriage was being left behind. And then I looked this up. It's remarkable to see this on a graph. Divorce rates nearly doubled after the sexual revolution in the 60s. Things like erotic media surged in the 70s. Porn magazines peaked in the 70s. I looked it up. Playboy magazine had the most subscribers somewhere in the 70s. So it was kind of the height of this era of erotic media. And then things kind of calmed down a little bit in the 80s. In the Reagan years, there was a bit of a resurgence of conservative family values. Things like James Dobson's focus on the family came into prominence. Promise Keepers, do you guys remember Promise Keepers? I think they're still doing stuff. So those ministries thrived in the early 90s when I was a kid. I remember those things. I mean, this is the era I was born into. I grew up in a good Christian school, listening to Adventures in Odyssey cassette tapes. <laughs> I, see, I missed like the eight track era. My dad had some vinyl records. I grew up on cassette tapes. Those things were terrible. VHS, awful. You try to go back and watch a VHS now, it's like, we watched this? We thought this was good? It's like warbly and, you know, the tapes distorted. And same with cassette tapes, like the pitch is shifting up and down or the tape gets all knotted up and ruins your tape deck. Cars don't have tape decks anymore, do they? It's sad. You know, I also grew up with AOL, America Online, dial-up modems, yes. Every time you wanted to connect to the internet, it took like a minute and a half, and you had to listen to this torturous sound. Look it up on YouTube, what a dial-up modem sounds like if you're Gen Z and you're like, what the heck is he talking about up there? So access to the internet exploded in the 90s, and that really seems to be connected to this decline immorality, unfortunately. You know, the Pandora's box of the internet, it it came with the massive spread of pornography, which is very unfortunate because what used to be hidden inside of brick and mortar buildings was now suddenly everywhere. Instant access. And I'm sure historians and, and ethicists are still researching this and the impact of the, the digital age, as they call it, and all the big changes that have followed since the dawn of the internet. But, you know, I grew up and I watched the effect of this on TV shows, kind of this slow and steady desensitization to sexual content and nudity in TV and, and movies. I mean, it's become so prevalent in content today. Biz and I have had conversations about this. It's like, it's hard to find something to watch because it's like, ugh, this is like, this is nasty. And, and almost every show on a streaming platform is like this now. 
So streaming has replaced broadcast television, and, and there's an impact there because FCC is no longer regulating content. It's not going over the airwaves. Uh, advertisers don't care anymore. You know, producers used to be held back by, well, well we don't want to upset the advertisers. We can't put that word in there, or you can't put that content in this show because then we're going to lose the family-friendly advertisers, and now nobody cares. You know, you'll see, like, kids' advertisements in, like, an R-rated movie or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Even worse. Um, advertisers don't care anymore. TVPG used to be one of the most common ratings for media on TV, especially in the 90s. That was when family values were still important in our culture. And then I grew up and I watched TVPG slowly get replaced with TV14, right? And every show was like a little more edgy, you know, a little more... Uh, profanity or sexual content, etc., just slowly pushing the limits, right, and desensitizing culture a little bit at a time. And now it seems like TVPG almost doesn't exist. And in fact, like the kids' family movies are no longer rated G; they're rated PG. Like Frozen is a rated PG movie, right? And then if you look on Netflix or something, it's like seventy percent of the, the content TVMA with lots of adult, mature themes and content and stuff. I just think it's helpful for us to be aware of what's happening. What has happened in these last decades, our culture has been declining and shifting, and we need to be aware of these things, and we need to be discerning in our consumption of media. You know, there are some alternatives, like if you've heard of VidAngel, they're the organization behind The Chosen, which is an excellent um, Christian-produced series on the life of Jesus and the disciples. It's very, very good. Like I'm used to Christian stuff being really cheesy, but The Chosen is, is excellent. It's very good. And then we saw a movie together, the guys and some others went to the theaters and we saw Sound of Freedom, which was a very well done movie. So there are some alternatives. You can check out VidAngel, which actually provides filters. So like you don't want to hear this word or see this kind of content in certain shows on Netflix, you can watch it through VidAngel and they'll just automatically skip it for you. It's very interesting technology. So check it out if you want to kind of tame some of the content for your home. Um, and then there's stuff like Great American Family Network by Candace Cameron Bure. Um, she got fed up with Hallmark. She's like, well, I'll do my own thing because we're going to stick to family values on this channel. I think she's still locked into cable and Almost nobody has cable anymore. But I'm glad that there's people out there still trying to make family-friendly content. I think that's a good thing. Social media. I was in college when Facebook kind of blew up and became a big thing. And it was a relatively safe space to just chat with your friends and share about your life. And now you go on social media, there is garbage everywhere like nasty content on all kinds of social media. It's everywhere. Like it's just consumed social media platforms. It's not safe for kids. Like you just randomly browse on Facebook and I'll see something like, what is it doing on here? That's filthy and foul. What is happening <laughs> to, to our world? It's, it's just the internet is just becoming this cesspool of, of filth and it's really, really dangerous. You know, I read recently that Facebook the Meta, the company, they spend about $5 billion a year just trying to moderate inappropriate content 
on their platforms because people will post stuff and they have teams that are dedicated to following up community guidelines, reports, and all this stuff. So they're losing this battle, trying to keep Facebook family friendly. They're losing the battle. They're spending $5 billion a year. They're still not able to keep nasty stuff off their platform. Violent content, sexual content, etc. That's kind of the reality we live in now. Oh, man. Having some fun over there. So all this, all this to say, you know, you've probably seen it. I feel like I've seen this big shift in the last 30 years, massive moral decline in our culture, especially when it comes to sexual sin. It's a major stronghold for the enemy, you know, and so we need to be alert and sober-minded as we read in Peter, his first letter. The dawn of the internet has, has brought a wealth of information and resources and that's a blessing, like that's a good thing, what a gift. But simultaneously, the internet has opened a portal straight to the pits of hell, if I can just be a little bit dramatic. That's the internet, it's a both and thing. It's both a blessing and a curse. And in the blink of an eye, evil can fill your home. So we need to be very discerning in our approach to the internet, in our approach to social media, in our approach to the content we choose to consume in our house. So pornography is an epidemic of our time. You know, the church has been fighting porn from the start, since the 70s, since things blew up. Uh, but now even secular culture is realizing how harmful pornography is. Frustratingly, you know, it's, it's double think. You get both from Hollywood. There are still movies and TV shows that try to normalize porn or they try to make comedy about it. You know, there's characters that flippantly approach pornography and as if it's something to laugh about, you know, but it's destroying lives. And uh, the stats have only gotten worse over the years. So, depends on where you look or who you ask, but a recent study I found 90% of the men surveyed had consumed porn in the last month. 90%? I mean, that's basically everybody. Everybody is in this fight. Everybody is struggling with pornography. That is so alarming. And this isn't just a men's issue anymore. Here's another stat. 60% of women surveyed reported consuming porn in the last month. So I've been following these stats for years. Because this is a part of my story. I've had ups and downs in my struggle with this. And I remember this stat being like 20% and then 30%. And now it's 60%. So this is not just a men's issue anymore. This is an everybody issue. This is a problem for everyone. And I, I really don't want to just hammer on this too much today because I know that I'm sure pretty much everyone here agrees porn is a problem. And most men in the church, most men that I know, we've been fighting this our entire lives. So I've never met, you know, a, a dedicated Christian that's like, yeah, porn is fine. <laughs> no, everybody's like, I hate it. I wish it weren't a part of my life. I wish I didn't see it everywhere. So we're in this together. There's a great book I think everyone should read. It's called Every Man's Battle. Kind of a classic when it comes to the porn issue. And, and the title alone speaks volumes. Like, yeah, if you're a man, and now 60% of women, this is an issue that you will face at some point in your life. And there's even a counterpart book called Every Woman's Battle by Shannon Etheridge. I haven't read it, but um, I've heard of some things that she's written. The Etheridge's 
good authors. So for many of us, men and some women, this is a lifelong battle. It's not something that you can just let go of. You know, in a, in a lot of ways, it's, well, it's very addictive. It's similar to like an alcoholic. Even if they've been sober for years, they can never let their guard down because all it takes is one drink and there goes your sobriety. And that's gotta be tough for alcoholics because alcohol is everywhere. So it's the same thing. Somebody with a history of porn use, you can never let your guard down. It is a lifelong battle. It is a daily battle that can only be won by the power of the Holy Spirit through the grace and mercy of God. You know, I first encountered porn at the age of 12. I was really young. So I just want to encourage parents, like, have these talks with your kids at a young age. You know, I just, uh, Biz and I had a conversation today about making sure that our devices with access to the internet were locked down. Like, I trust the innocence of my six-year-old daughter, but I don't trust the internet. I don't want open access to the internet until we can develop disciplines on how to use this stuff with my kids. So I really encourage you to, you know, have a plan. Talk to your kids about this at an early age. If anything, like, if they start to use devices, let them know. Like, there's stuff on, out there that is not good, and, and we don't want to look at it. So we need to be careful when we use the tablet or mommy's phone or whatever. And I mentioned before, I've seen a lot of highs and lows in this battle. And, and there were times in my life, especially in high school, man, I struggled so much. I thought I would never be free. I thought I would never be free from porn. And I didn't start to see any breakthrough in my life until I opened up and I talked to a Christian friend in, high, in uh, college. My freshman year of college, I just told somebody. And, it, and it's like something just kind of cracked. This hard shell around me just cracked and, and I started to make progress and see healing. The book of James says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Mm, what a good promise. You want healing? Confess to someone you trust. And men, you should talk to men about this. Women, you should talk to women about this. Would not be appropriate for a guy to, to go to a random woman at your church and start unloading. This is heavy stuff. We need to be discerning in how we approach this, but you know, I encourage you, if you are struggling with, with porn or some kind of sexual sin, you are not alone. You do not have to fight this battle alone. Let's normalize talking about this fight. And that's something that I see a lot. You know, I've listened to a lot of podcasts and done a ton of research from people, you know, Christian counselors that deal with porn addiction a lot. And one of the things they say is it's so secret. So much guilt, there's so much shame, and those are tools of the enemy. We need to normalize talking about this. So here I am talking very openly with you about this on a random Sunday morning, and you're all like, I didn't think we would be talking about this today, but here you go. Welcome to Bay Area in your church. Blame screw tape, he brought it up. Awesome, thank you, April, for sharing that. The book is called Fight for Love. Do you remember the author? Okay, I'm sure if you type in Fight for Love on Amazon, it'll come up. You, you wanna share a little bit? Here we go. Welcome to Bay Area Vineyard Church. All right. So, um, this is something I struggled with a lot. 
I'll come over here in front of the camera so I can confess all my sins to Facebook. Um, if, you have, if you have a PC or Android, there's a program called Drupal. It randomly takes a screenshot of whatever is on your phone at the time, 15 seconds to two minutes, and you have no idea. In fact, if I, so my screen's off, so it's not doing anything, but I log in, and if I just leave this open, it'll take screenshots, and I have no idea that it's doing it other than I put the app on my phone. It uploads it to a server, and then all of those pictures are shared with whoever it is you choose. We put this on my phone and every single computer in my house, and that day, I stopped seeking this out because I knew whatever I'm looking at, the person that sees this is gonna know, and I can't hide it anymore. And like it was hard for like a month or two. I didn't even think about it anymore. I'm not saying that means I can go take this thing off my phone because I'm sure once that safety net was gone, it would, Satan would take advantage of that and pop it back up in my head. Uh, but yeah, PC and Android, it's probably available on Macintosh. It's not available on iPhone. And so for that reason, I'm going to go ahead and say, if this is a struggle of yours, get rid of the iPhone and go get an Android. It, I mean, I know you might be like, oh, Android, I don't want, I don't care. This is more important than your preference of operating system of phone. So, and it's fairly inexpensive. Do you know, remember how much it is? Yeah, but I also know the guy that develops it is very receptive to comments and stuff. He's, it's, it's not a very big program, so he's easy to get in touch with. And I'm sure if you're like, hey, I can't afford the 160 bucks a year, he might be like, all right, give me 100. I don't know. I can't speak for him. But anyway, Truple, T-R-U-P-L-E. Thanks, Patrick. So the fight for love, Rosie McKinney. McKinney. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Yeah, accountability software can be such a helpful tool. Oh, yeah, I mean, the first step to, find, to finding healing and, and freedom is you got to open up. You got to open up to somebody. Find a Christian friend you trust. I know this can be so hard because sexual sin just comes with so much guilt and shame. The enemy does not want you to break out of that. He wants you to hold this as a secret in your life forever. That's how the enemy keeps us from finding freedom. And I would hope a stat like 90% of men today struggle with this at some point would encourage some people to be like, okay, I recognize the epidemic that we live in today. I wanna seek some help. God has grace for us. God has grace for you. He has grace for me. God sees your battle. God knows your heart. I mean, you think God doesn't know how difficult it is to live a holy life today? <laughs> he, knows, he knows this wicked culture we live in. God knows he loves you. He's not angry at you. God hates the sin that destroys our lives, but he loves us and he wants what's best for us. He wants to remove sin from our lives because he knows the damage that it does. That's why God calls us to live a holy life. The way of the world only leads to pain and suffering. So guys, you can always 
talk to me. You can always shoot me a text, give me a call, let's get lunch. Even if you just randomly, randomly shoot me a text, be like, hey, Mo, I'm struggling with guy stuff lately. Can you keep me in your prayers? I'm there. I'm praying for you. And some of you have opened up to me, and I do pray for you. I've opened up to some of you, and I appreciate your prayers for me. And ladies, you can always talk to Biz. <laughs> and there's lots of amazing ladies here in this church that could be an accountability partner for you. Um, we're here for each other. So let's pray for each other. Let's support each other. Confession is only the beginning. It's an important beginning. But there are so many practical steps that we can take in this fight. We need to be proactive. Jesus teaches in the Gospel of Matthew, if your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. All right, then, who's first? Jonathan, you got a knife on you, right? Can I? Not oh, not today, all right. Well, everybody lucked out. So I guess we're not gonna practice radical obedience to this passage today. I mean, whose right eye has ever caused them to sin? Get in line, here we go, boop. Left eyes get a free pass, apparently, according to God's word. You know, I, I'm kidding, of course. This is called hyperbole. Jesus is exaggerating to make a point here. He does not really want anyone to self-harm. But his point is this. We need to do anything and everything we possibly can to protect ourselves from sexual sin. Like ditching an iPhone, getting an Android so you can lock it down. No enucleation is required. That's eye removal surgery, by the way. Paul writes to the Ephesians, among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. I want to focus on that first line. Not even a hint of sexual immorality. That is the bar that we set in Scripture. That is the bar that has been set for us. And it's because of how dangerous sexual sin can be. You know, so what is sexual immorality exactly? I mean, the Bible mentions lots of different types of sexual sins. Uh, some of them have their own term, like fornication is having sex with someone you're not married to. Adultery is having sex with someone you're not married to while married to someone else. And then scripture also teaches against incest, bestiality. The New Testament does bring clarity on the issue of polygamy. New Testament teaches that we should have one wife. You know, about a year ago, I spent two weeks covering a very difficult issue, the issue of homosexuality, which the Bible says is not God's design. It is sexual sin. So if you're interested in learning more about that, what the Bible teaches about homosexuality, uh, I encourage you to, to find the recordings. I'm not gonna go into it today. Um, there's a two-week series on our website. It was almost exactly a year ago, so you can go to behavior.org, click sermons, scroll down until you see the FAQs series, Frequently Asked Questions, and there's two weeks in January, I think, of 2023 that deal with homosexuality and what the Bible teaches. 
So Jesus really raised the bar in the Gospels for us in, in teaching against lust. Lust is a sexual sin. He says in Matthew, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. I mean, Jesus is really raising the bar here. <laughs> and scripture also teaches us to take captive every thought in our minds and make it obedient to Christ. You know, there are some guys, they, they win the battle on the devices. They burn the magazines or whatever they gotta do, but then the porn studio just moves into their mind. And that's not good either. We need to take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. You know, culture says you can look, but you can't touch. I mean, what a lie. What a lie. You can look, but you can't touch. Culture says as long as you don't touch, you're, you're fine. You're not guilty. But Jesus says if you look with lust, that's sin. That's sin. So we need to take captive and surrender even our thought life to the Lord. And that's no easy thing to do. That can be a lifelong process. So if you're struggling in your thought life, ask for help, ask for accountability, ask for prayer, open up to a friend, read some scripture, go on a prayer walk if you're having a particularly bad day, listen to some worship music. Scripture says we are to flee sexual temptation. Not fight it head on, flee. So if you're struggling, remove yourself from the environment. Go on a walk, immediately put on your favorite worship album, spend some time in prayer, open up scripture, divert yourself to something else. That is how we win this battle. You know, we can't let lustful thoughts just live rent-free in our heads. And sometimes Satan's gonna throw stuff at us and we just gotta push it away and bounce off of it, move on to something good. Time to evict, get those thoughts out. And I'm glad that we're not alone right? Followers of Jesus, we don't have to do this on our own. We have been given the Holy Spirit to transform us from the inside out, including our minds, including the way we think. So confession is the start to finding freedom. And then accountability is crucial. You know, find a group of Christian men or women that you trust. I'm a part of an online accountability group. It's been incredibly encouraging and helpful for me. Uh, there's a small group of pastors that I've been in communication with about this struggle in my life. You know, they've prayed with me before when I've been in really low places. There is a great addiction recovery group at West Florida Baptist, and they meet on Friday nights. It's kind of a celebrate recovery thing. It's for any kind of addictive behavior. You know, if you're addicted to some kind of substance or... Um, or if it's a sexual sin, or if you're addicted to baking, you know, whatever. Anything and everything. This is a fantastic support group. They go through the 12 steps, which is very helpful. So if you, for whatever reason, don't want to open up to somebody here in this body, go to West Florida Baptist on Friday night at 7 o'clock, and there are good people there that can help you on this journey. You know, uh, Patrick talked about making sacrifices with technology in order to win this fight. I have heard of some guys trading in their smartphones for a dumb phone, <laughs> a dumb phone, right? Like a flip phone, which only makes calls 
and texts, has no access to the internet. You got to do whatever it takes. Don't gouge out your eye, but like gouge out your technology if you have to. Trade in your smartphone for a dumb phone or even just dis disconnect from all technology. This is one of those things like it can be really difficult to put yourself in rehab because some people need to use technology for their work. Some people, the internet is a part of so many jobs and things. You can lock down all of your devices with software like Covenant Eyes. Patrick mentioned Truple. Talk to a Christian counselor. You know, I know a really great Christian counselor in Pensacola, and I have met with him myself when I was going through a really hard time. And it was so helpful for me. You know, I think we need to get rid of this stigma that, that counseling or therapy is like some kind of taboo, like a last resort only for the most messed up people. Newsflash, we're all messed up people, right? If your pastor can go get counseling, you can go get counseling, all right? So counseling is a gift. Take advantage of it if you can. You know, in Biz and I, we're not licensed counselors. I don't know if we have any licensed counselors here in this church. But we would be happy to meet with anyone. If you're a couple that needs someone to talk to, we can meet with you. Guys, I can meet with you one-on-one. -on -one. Girls can meet with Biz one-on-one. -on -one. And I'm sure there's a, many others in this body that would be willing to meet and talk with you. We're here for you. Amen. Yep. Amen. So I went a little long last Sunday. We're gonna cut it short today. Uh, we're about to wrap up. But let me leave us with this closing passage from 2 Timothy. Everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. In a large house, there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for special purposes and some for common use. Those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments for special purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. This is such a fascinating passage, isn't it? I do want to clarify, Paul is not trying to create higher and lower classes of Christians here. He is making a distinction between those who diligently pursue holiness and those who don't. There are some who diligently commit to living a holy life for Jesus, and there are some who don't. That's kind of what this passage is getting at. Those who are committed, those who fight, those who don't quit, doesn't mean you're perfect, you're gonna fall, you're gonna stumble. Those who are committed to pursuing holiness, to honor God with their life, doing whatever it takes, gouging out an eyeball, hyperbolically speaking. <laughs> those who continually come before the Lord and ask for that cleansing, refining fire, they will be set apart. They will be called to special purposes in God's kingdom. That's pretty powerful. Let's stand and pray together. Lord, thank you that we can talk openly about difficult stuff. And God, I just pray for peace right now. I just pray for peace for everyone here, peace for anyone who is in this struggle. They're not alone. We are in this together. Your Holy Spirit is with us. 
God, I thank you for your grace and your mercy, your forgiveness. I thank you for your love. Lord, we know you are vigilant about removing sin from our lives because you know how much it damages us. God, thank you that you're not mad at me, that you just want to be with me. So God, I just pray for myself and for everyone here, please remove any offensive way in me, Lord. Search my heart, know me, God. You know, God, I just pray a blessing over everyone here, over this church. Protect us from this stronghold of sexual sin and temptation. God, I know before breakthrough often comes trials and the enemy will attack. So I just pray for protection. I pray for your Holy Spirit power to be in us. Even now, Lord, this morning, fill us with your Holy Spirit. Put us on a path to life change, healing, freedom from addictions. We ask in Jesus' name. Today's benediction is from Philippians chapter four. If you'd like, I just invite you to hold your hands out to receive a blessing from the Lord today. Finally, brothers and sisters, may the Lord fill your heart and mind with whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, whatever is excellent or praiseworthy. May the Lord fill your thoughts with these things. Amen. Go in peace. Love you guys. Have a great Sunday.